Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's been interesting. My first uh, day here at Bayshore, and I, I have had the opportunity to kind of visit the campus, if you will, before, as uh, some of my friends and my sons and I do some waterfall hunting down the road at Fish Point, uh, just a few miles away. And so I think on a couple of lunch times that we came over and kind of drove through. But it's, uh, it's a joy to get acquainted and familiar with uh, all that takes place here at family camp. Um, I think it's important, uh, just so you know a little bit of my story uh, and where I'm coming from, I kind of, not kind of, I have taken a very untraditional uh, route into ministry work that uh, took place uh, in the year 2000. So uh, I want to share a little bit of my story with you to know uh, where I'm coming from. So I am a, a native of Spring Arbor, Michigan, and uh, my father was on staff there as a professor. So I grew up on the campus, and uh, then uh, I attended there. I also went out to Seattle Pacific University, uh, uh, sister college to Spring Arbor. I uh, met my wife there, and uh, thank God, the greatest gift of my life, truly, she is um, my angel. And... Uh, throughout the years, uh, not only in my spiritual walk with the Lord, but also in the physical medical challenges that I've encountered uh, about four or five years ago. But uh, God certainly has uh, blessed me with, my wife's name is Phyllis. Uh, we live in Midland, Michigan. Um, we raised three children there, and now they're married, and they're raising our grandchildren. Uh, and uh, that's a new chapter, a new phase for us ages five down to seven months and one due in October. So, yeah, three boys, uh, one girl, uh, no, three girls, one boy, and the, sec <laughs> and the second boy is on his way. That was wishful thinking on my, on my part. Always looking for fishing buddies and that kind of thing. But, um, so, uh, while I was in college, I was working at Meyer Stores, Meyer Incorporated, um, helping work my way through college, and pay the bills and have money to take Phyllis out to eat and that kind of thing. But when I graduated, uh, they asked me if I wanted to go into management. Well, my degree was in education, but I still had to do like a semester of student teaching. But we were married, and uh, they made a job offer, and I took it. You know, we got we to gotta pay the bills. Well, 19 years later, uh, after uh, 19 years in, um, in management, uh, God uh, called me uh, to change what I was doing with my life. And uh, it was a tough decision on one hand, but on the other hand, I didn't have a choice. You know, when God calls, uh, it's clear, and it was to me. So uh, I gave like eight-week notice that I was leaving. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but uh, I entered into a new phase on faith and with, uh, again, the prayer and faith of my wife. Uh, without that, uh, it certainly would have been a major struggle. So I, I went in to do my studies, and through the Church of the Nazarene, at the time we had a directed course of studies, and so out of our seminary came a, a list of courses and books and tests and examinations and all that kind of thing. And then about halfway through my studies, they switched over to doing online uh, as an option, and that worked out great for us because our kids were in high school, very involved in sports and music, drama, you name it, um, Dad did not have the heart, and nor did I want to incur a major debt in education. And I poured myself in uh, into everything I had. My kids were in college at the time. It was interesting. So I'm doing my online courses. My one son was at Michigan Tech in engineering school. And Dad, you're putting way too much time into these. You know, all, all you got to do is answer the question. They only look to see that you get it done. And I said, son, I, this is important stuff. I can't just do that. So I won't tell you which car company he works for. <laughs> uh, I, I stand mute. I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, currently, um, oh, well, back into my studies, I, I was uh, a young adult pastor at Midland Church of Nazarene. Uh, working with college and career age, and then we, we uh, attempted to do a new start church in Freeland, uh, Michigan, and uh, we gave it a good go for five or six years, and we learned a lot, but never really got to that critical mass, uh, that number that you need to 
people engaged in serving and stepping up. So it was always the core group that started it. It was laboring and uh, yeah, it was time to move forward. So uh, our church uh, in Midland brought me back as a care pastor. And uh, one day a week or so I'm out visiting, whether it's uh, at a assisted living facility or the hospital uh, or in homes or whatever the case, wherever I get sent, that's where I go. Uh, most of my time is with Hockey Ministries International. Never thought I'd be doing ministry in the hockey world. Um, but it's, it's a missionary uh, a work because it is a different culture. And, uh, yeah, the, the language is very different. Uh, very colorful at times. Uh, you know, I, so I'm working primarily with 16 to 20-year-old men, uh, boys, a mix, and uh, with the Saginaw Spirit and as well as the Muskegon Lumberjacks. But as the Michigan area rep, I helped get some chapel started in Flint with the Firebirds and at the U of M uh, with the Wolverines, which is a story in itself. But uh, God was at work there on that campus and through the hockey players. Amen. Yeah, and we're just, I'm just coming off a week of uh, camp. We had 70 youngsters, boys and girls, 9 to 17 years old, 70 of them, uh, mostly from Michigan, but kids from South Carolina, Illinois, Indiana. Um, yeah, from all over the place, uh, and um, it was amazing. God, our, our mission is obviously uh, evangelical and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with these youngsters. And uh, so out of 70, uh, 25 um, accepted the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And uh, several others were, you know, how that goes through the year. I gave my life to Christ, and now I'm close, now I'm away, and it's good to be back, and I really want to get focused. And in essence, this is the heart of where we're going with, I think, the, this passage that has gripped me personally for um, at least the last four years. Have you ever got caught into a passage and you just can't get off of it? I mean, it just keeps drawing you back and back. And, uh, and so you, you dig in and you start buying books. And, uh, I don't know, a dozen books. And uh, you start reading and studying a little bit more, but... It's amazing to see that in this passage, specifically John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, is the core of where I want our, our, us to go. Now, today will be more of an introduction, a good review for all of us of where does that fit in the story of Jesus Christ in his ministry. And, you know, we want to put it in context. I think that's really important because often we just get a passage and we pull it out and we look at that without looking at the bigger picture. And so I think uh, it, it's really relevant that we understand this farewell discourse in chapters 14 to 17 and the prelude in chapter 13 to it. I begin to look at this relationship with God and what does that look like? How do we go about this? But the two letters, one short word is probably the most powerful word that captured me, and that was the word in. And I sat by the river, uh, we camp on the Cedar River between Gladwin and Harrison, we pull our RV in there, my wife and I, and I love it, that's my go-to place for um, focus and study, and um, sitting by the river and opening God's Word, I wanted to focus on John this particular summer, but I opened it up and, and I started reading this, and I, I stopped long enough to ask questions, because how often have I read, and you will be able to relate to this, I'm quite confident, that we read a passage and we're so familiar with it that sometimes it doesn't jump off the page at us like we would hope, really. I mean, when we open it, God's word, we want something new, something fresh. What do you have for me today, God? Holy Spirit, what is it that you have for me? And so I began to say, okay, I've read this, abide in me, and, and I'll abide in, in you. And I said, that sounds beautiful. That's great, but... Uh, how do we do that? We're, we're physical beings and we're dealing with a spiritual thing, uh, a spiritual relationship. What does that look like? And how do I really grow closer to God and through Jesus Christ? And, and it almost seemed overwhelming to me. But the truth is beautifully simple. And I hope to get to that point as we go through the week together here. Um, a couple of... Uh, a couple of the books that I will be using, I may or may not reference where I'm taking the quote or where it's coming from, but I do want to share with you a, a brief, uh, some of, three of the key books. 
I think I brought them with me, and they're probably sitting over here as they are. Um, you know, back uh, 125 years ago, a man named Andrew Murray um, wrote this beautiful uh, devotional book called Abiding in Christ. Um, highly recommend it. I've actually, it's been translated, updated, because originally I think it was written in Dutch. Uh, so if you, you know, you can read it in English. I don't read Dutch, but uh, you think working for Meyer, I might have picked up a few words. But, um, that's what that that's, that's the slogan on the West Side. It is true. So. Uh, yeah. So this is this is one particular verse I, I've actually given to some of the college age um, young people that I work with and. Tell them, take it slow. It's one at a day. It, it's a, it is deep at times, but profoundly simple, the way that Andrew presents it to us. Um, along with this particular book, um, he has another book called The True Vine, and really that was geared for in his day, late 1800s, to the youth of his day. And so he was uh, kind of adapted this first book into one uh, a version for the young people. Um, so as we look at expanding this uh, to study and put it into context, the other book that um, was very helpful to me and very insightful was called The Farewell Discourse and in in The Final Prayer of Jesus. It's by D.A. Carson. Uh, Baker Books is uh, the publisher for that. So I may reference some of his work. Sometimes it's like in my outline and I failed to note it. But um, so, so I'm not just like speaking on my own and making this stuff up. Uh, I've consulted quite a bit on trying to understand it because I want to I share the truth. That's very important to me. It's not about me, it's about God. And I want to help myself. You're here to help me as much as I'm here to help you. Uh, I'm, I'm growing all the time. And you know, I, I've, yeah, my wife says the same. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, there was, there was a big part of my life, those 19 years I was with Meyer, um, I, got, uh, I got hooked by the world pretty good. And, uh, and so uh, success more than money, uh, recognition, achievement, achieving was a kind of overachiever kind of thing. And um, so I sold out. Yeah, it, it, Meyer was like number one on the rung of priorities in my life. And having been raised in a free Methodist home, um, I figured I had been to church three days a week for the first 20 years of my life. I had some time to kill, but uh, Sundays was not a day that I was at church. And, and with our three young children, neighbor asked my wife to go to the Midland Church of the Nazarene, bring our kids, that bring our take our kids there. Phyllis, go ahead. I've got a tea time, you know, and I'm on the golf course. But I, w I was definitely not following Christ. Still believe in God. I still um, believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd given my heart to, to Christ as a five-year-old boy, and, and probably every summer between 5 and uh, 16, 17 when I went to camp. Uh, because you always, just like my kids at camp experience, you know, that, that ebb and flow. You know, you go to camp, you get fired up, and you're really feeling close, and you've clenched, you know, all your, all your sins, you know. And, um, but then you go away, you get back into school and sports and all the other things, and you just don't take the time. And that, that, that's something really, bless your hearts as parents and grandparents, you know, leading, leading the next generation uh, to spend more time. Uh, and some of the things we talk about, I think, will be translated to them uh, by yourselves because they're, they're beautiful things. Um, so uh, today, um, let, let me set the stage with this. Um, you know, when we, when we go through life and we look at what, what is true, and this is one of the things our youth really struggle with today, especially with social media, is what is true. You're getting bombarded with this thing, right? Your, your phone, their phone, and everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something that's right, and, and it's just confusing to everybody. So where do we go for truth? And uh, the worldviews that are put out there that are competing against Christianity, you know, they're not together and coordinated, you know, but uh, we're, we're constantly getting new ideas about what's right, what's wrong, what we, you know, how we should feel and treat each other and so on. Our, as Christians, I, I believe, and I'm sure you share this with us, that the word is truth. The word is truth. And we, we have to be bold 
with that as Christians. Because, um, you know, we're, we need to be loving. We need to be accepting of other people. We need to love them into the faith. Uh, no doubt about it. I'm not about arguing, debating with people about different beliefs. But uh, certainly we, wanna, we want to share with them the love of Christ. Hence, we come back to the story. Uh, when Jesus is, you know, in his, on his way to Jerusalem uh, with his disciples and the Passover comes and he begins to tell them what is going to happen. Now, we have to put ourselves, we're pretty tough on disciples. I am, right? We think of them as being a pretty goofy bunch of 12. Uh, sometimes like, but man, you know, imagine these new things that Jesus was telling them. You know, we got the hindsight. We know the story, but they did not. And so when he says, you know, I'm, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and, you know, they're, out, they're th- sitting there thinking, this guy, what's he talking about? This is new. And, and when he says, you know, he is God's son, and, and that he was sent here to die for our sins, and all these kind of things are so radical at the time. And uh, they were living with them. And so some... Some, you know, John is so honest about, it. I mean, he's one of the disciples, and he writes about, you know, what the disciples were thinking and what they were feeling. And, like, they weren't getting it. They weren't quite understanding. And, and sometimes John presents them very honestly, you know, himself included. So I, I think we can relate to that. So, let's see. Four, four things, I think, coming out of the, the Wesleyan tradition, um, Free Methodist, Church of the Nazarene, and my education, but... One of the things that really said, people said, where do we find truth? What is right? What is wrong? What is scripturally the word here? And uh, I'm not so sure um, where, where all, who put this all together. It's in my mind somewhere, but uh, you know, I turned 59 this year, and I killed a lot of brain cells during my, my years with Meyer. And so, uh, but uh, four things that John Wesley really uh, laid a foundation for us as believers and you'll know this is the quadrilateral of, of um, John Wesley. So first of all, scripture. Uh, this, is, this is the first thing we need to go through for, for understanding truth and what we're looking at. The second is using our reasoning, logic, reasoning, our minds. And too often um, we see the battle between reason and faith, right? They approve there's God. Well, faith and reason, right? They, they, but no, they go together. Uh, one supports the other. I believe that totally. And uh, scientists, uh, the more they find out, the more they share, the more it just proves uh, everything God has done. So reason. This, the third thing is tradition. You know, those that have gone before us and, and learning from those that have gone before us and the things that are there. And fourth is to experience. And I think this is really the vital part of um, this passage is that we experience God. We experience Jesus Christ in our life through the Holy Spirit. I'm guilty uh, of being a person that has tried to be a self-made man, a self-made Christian at times, by my efforts. You know, I, I'm going to do all the right things, but on my own power. And, and the lesson I learned is that I fall short. Plain and simple. When I do it on my own power, and, I, and I'm doing all the right things, that's great. But if I'm doing it without the Holy Spirit, it's not as effective, especially when we're sharing the gospel with young people. So yielding to the Holy Spirit is, is one of the lessons we come to. So having said that, did, um, Kendall, did the batteries happen to arrive yet? Are you ready? Yeah. So we are going to relax. Uh, some people are visual learners. Some people... Um, I prefer reading and, and quietly. I'm going to give you both options, okay? Uh, I, I happen to, this is called the Gospel of John, a DVD program. It is, understand the language that is being spoken is through the Good News Translation. So it may be really new to you. Some of the wordings that you're familiar with will be said differently. Uh, but what I want us to catch is here this this final discourse period um, of Jesus preparing his disciples and preparing us as well in our hearts. Um, the, the commands that he gives uh, and this beautiful, beautiful extended metaphor of the vine and the branches. An incredible um, vision of our connected to, 
to Christ. Now, in my title, I actually title this I-N, capital I-N dash Timothy. So it's in Timothy. And, and, and the point he's saying, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And just count the number of times. He'll say, remain in me. Um, in some of the other versions, abide in me. So when I was sitting by the river studying, I was like, what does that really mean? And what does this abide in me? And he'll abide. You know, so if we're ready. Uh, so we're about the third chapter of the DVD. So if we just hit the... This is just the Gospel of John. Uh, it's from the American Bible Society. Um, Good News Bible. So I bought, I bought the whole passage, and I use it quite a bit, actually. Are we going to advance, like, chapter 4? Maybe. What chapter was that? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, is it starting from the beginning, or no, we're going to jump. The video will begin in like the beginning of the 13th chapter if we get it queued up here. So. Yeah, the book of John has very little chronology, right? It jumps around. We might not. This doesn't. It's got brand new medicine. Yeah. It's doing absolutely nothing. So I'm thinking this might be the wrong remote. To the, it says LG on it. You know what I can do? I can pop this in my laptop, and you've got the cord. Yeah, we can do it that way. Yep. Thank you for your patience. Day one. That's right. Lake Superior, in case you're wondering. That's by the uh, Porcupine Mountains a couple summers ago. Yeah, so this is Abby, Berkey, Lydia, and Henry. Nice Swedish names, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I only got a good stuff showing on there. <laughs> Probably got some hockey fights or something like that that I see. So it's, uh, I guess let's just start with the 
Well, why they're doing that, and this could be a while. We have popcorn for sale. Um, So as we've said, as they're working on that, let me just kind of continue here, but the general focus of what we want to look at today is the nature of our intimate relationship with the triune Godhead or the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Looking at intimacy, we learn, for example, um, as we look through the story, one of his his, God's, major attributes is love. And as humans created in his image, we also have our desire to love others and to be loved. It's our greatest privilege to, to know and be known by God. But let's be clear, it's not enough to know about God. But it it truly is to experience him. There we go. Do chapter verse and then we'll get to it. Uh, 13, 1, 20. Yep. Yep. So this is the Prologue. 13.1, if you're following in your Bibles. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Are we ready? 13, chapter 1. Can, can you see? Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He had always loved those in the world who were his own, and he loved them to the very end. I could turn it up on that Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, the thought of betraying Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. from the table, took off his outer garment, and tied a towel round his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter. Are you going to wash my feet, Lord? You do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later. Never, at any time, will you wash my feet. If I do not wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. Lord, do not wash only my feet. Wash my hands, and head too. <laughs> Those who have taken a bath are completely clean. Jesus already knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, All of you except one are clean. 
after Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And it's right that you should do so because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you, so that you will do just what I have done for you. I am telling you the truth. No slaves are greater than their master, and no messengers are greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know this truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. I'm not talking about all of you. I know those I have chosen. But the scripture must come true that says the man who shared my food turned against me. I tell you this now before it happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. I am telling you the truth. Whoever receives anyone I send receives me also. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. disciples looked at one another, completely puzzled about whom he meant. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him. Ask him whom he is talking about. So that disciple moved closer to Jesus' side. Who is it, Lord? So he took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Hurry, and do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. After Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man's glory is revealed. Now God's glory is revealed through him. And if God's glory is revealed through him, then God will reveal the glory of the Son of Man in himself. And he will do so at once. children. I shall not be with you very much longer. <coughs> Look for me when I tell you now what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. <laughs> and now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. 
loved you, so you must love one another. If you have loved one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Where are you going, Lord? You cannot follow me now where I am going. But later you will follow me. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I am ready to die for you. Are you really ready to die for me? Before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you do not know me. Do not be worried and upset. Believe in God. And believe also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. And I am going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to so that you will be where I am. You know the way that leads to the place where I am going. Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way to get there? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, you will know my father also. And from now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. Lord, show us the father. That is all we need. For a long time, I have been with you all. Yet you do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. Why did you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I have spoken to you do not come from me. But the Father who remains in me does his own work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If not believe because of the things I do, I am telling you the truth. Those who believe in me will do what I do. Yes, they will do even greater things. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask for in my name. So that the Father's glory will be shown through the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another help. Who will stay with you forever. He is the spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and is in you. When I go, you will not be left all alone. I will come back to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. And because I live, you also will. When that day comes, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me, just as I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I too will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, how can it be that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Those who love me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and my father and I will come to them and live with them. Those who do not love me, do not obey my teaching. And the teaching you have heard is not mine, but comes from the father who sent me. I have told you this while I am still with you. The help of the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and make you remember all that I have told you. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm leaving, but I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for he is greater than I. And I've told you this now, before it all happens. 
so that when it does happen, you will believe. I cannot talk with you much longer, because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must bow. But I love you, Father. Let us fight to everything as he commands me. Come, let us go from this place. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And he prunes every branch that does bear fruit. So that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me. And I will remain united to you. cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. Such branches are gathered up thrown into the fire, where they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish, and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit, and in this way you become my disciples. I love you, just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love one another, just as I love you. The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them, and you are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer. Because servants do not know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends. Because I have told you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear much fruit. The kind of fruit that endures. And so, the father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This then, is what I command you. Love one another. If the world hates you, just remember that it has hated me first. If you belong to the world, then the world would love you as its own. But I chose you from this world. And you do not belong to it. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. Slaves are not greater than their master. If people persecuted me, they will persecute you too. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours too. But they will do all this to you because you are mine. For they do not know the one who sent me. They would not have been guilty of sin if I had not come and spoken to them. As it is, they no longer have any excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. They would not have been guilty of sin if I had not done among them the things that no one else ever did. As it is, they have seen what I did. And they hate both me and my father. This, however, was bound to happen so that what is written in their law may come true. They hated me for no reason at all. The Helper will come, the Spirit who reveals the truth about God and who comes from the Father. I will send him to you from the Father and he will speak about me, and you too will speak about me, because you have been with me from the very beginning. I have told you this, so that you will not give up your faith. You will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time will come when those who kill you will think that by doing this they are serving God. 
People will do these things to you because they have not known either the Father or me. But I've told you this so that when the time comes for them to do these things, you will remember what I told you. I did not tell you these things at the beginning, for I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me where I am going. And now that I have told you, your hearts are full of sadness. But I am telling you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin and about what is right and about God's judgment. They are wrong about sin because they do not believe in me. They are wrong about what is right because I am going to the Father and you will not see me anymore. And they are wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I have much more to tell you, but now it would be too much for you to bear. When, however, the Spirit comes, who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears, and will tell you of things to come. He will give me glory, because he will take what I say and tell it to you. All that my Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. In a little while, you will not see me anymore. And then a little while later, you will see me. Some of his disciples asked among themselves, What does this mean? He tells us that in a little while, we will not see him. And then a little while later, we will see him. And he also says, It is because I am going to the Father. What does this a little while mean? We don't know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to question him. I said, in a little while you will not see me. And then a little while later you will see me. Is this what you are asking about among yourselves? I am telling you the truth. You will cry and weep. But the world will be glad. You will be sad, but your sadness will turn into gladness. When a woman is about to give birth, she is sad because the hour of suffering has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets her suffering because she is happy that a baby has been born into the world. That is how it is with you. Now you are sad. But I will see you again. And your hearts will be filled with gladness, the kind of gladness that no one can take away from you. When that day comes, you will not ask me for anything. I am telling you the truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your happiness may be complete. I have used figures of speech to tell you these things. But the time will come when I will not use figures of speech, but will speak to you plainly about the Father. When that day comes, you will ask him in my name. And I do not say that I will ask him in your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. He loves you because you love me. And I believe that I came from God. I did come from the Father. And I came into the world. And now I am leaving the world. I'm going to the Father. Then his disciples said to him, Now you are speaking plainly, without choosing figures of speech. We know now that you know everything. You do not need to have someone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you believe now? The time is coming, it is already here. When all of you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. And I will be left all alone. But I am not really alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you will have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer, but be brave. 
I have defeated the world. After Jesus finished saying this, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that the Son may give glory to you. For you gave him authority over all people, so that he might give eternal life to all those you gave him. And eternal life means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have shown your glory on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Father, give me glory in your presence now, the same glory I had with you before the world was made. I have made you known to those you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me. They have obeyed your word, and now they know that everything you gave me comes from you. I gave them the message that you gave me, and they received it. They know that it is true that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you gave me, for they belong to you. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pause it there a few times, Felix. So we're, we're right in the, in the passage of uh, John 17 and, and Christ's prayer for all of us and his followers. And Kendall, thank you. <clears throat> so let me ask for comments as you watch this. Simply stated, what what thoughts or concepts were impressed upon you as you viewed this uh, story of the farewell discourse. Yes? One question, who was the woman? Not sure. Any, any comments on that? Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene? Hmm? Yeah? Thank you. Good question. We'll, have, we'll go to work on that one, right? <laughs> A little creative license, perhaps. What impressed upon you the thoughts of Jesus' words and his discourse with his disciples? Anything new? Yes. 
Okay. Okay. Perfect. Power. Yes, sir. Well, in normal discourse or whatever, people blather on and it doesn't mean anything in particular. And here, you know, did they know they were hanging on the words of God? Mm. You know, every word had so much meaning or impact. Yeah. And, and it, at one point, Christ says... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to put too much on you. I don't, I don't want to give you more than you can handle right now. But when the Spirit comes, He will remind you. And, and exactly because, you know, John sharing this experience, you know, the Holy Spirit inspiring his memories. And so he could come back and write it and record it so that we can read it and, and act it out uh, in, a, in a movie. Yes, sir. Yeah, in a, in a sense, we have to put it in action. We have to take action. We hear God call us to accept his gift of salvation. It's not enough to hear it. We need to accept the gift and, and begin following after him to put it into action. Yes? I think the biggest thing for me that I experienced for me, was that Jesus was telling them, stop relying on your pride and you can do it. Yeah. And the pride of all the disciples is still there. The Lord can see through everything, you know. Yeah. And to me, to me, when you open pride, that teacher gets within him. Yeah. Powerful truth spoken. Uh, pride, uh, and, and not to be too hard on ourselves, it, it's a part of our human nature. You know, we, we are. Uh, we're prone to, you know, and our culture feeds that, you know, to be independent, individualistic, look what you can do. And, and even in, uh, in church families, you know, uh, pride often gets in the way uh, of God's work. And so we have to learn the hard way sometimes. We try it on our own and we fall and we fail. And so the lesson is learned over and over, relying, submitting, surrendering, um, you know, repenting uh, of that uh, sin of pride. Yeah. I think what, what was impacting me is, you know, watching their faces and they're, they're coming to the realization that, what do you mean you're losing? Mm. And what do you mean it's going to be something I have to do and I'm going to have a helper? But it was kind of an impact on things are really going to change and I'm going to have to uh. be ready. I'm so glad you said that because it reminds me of a, a section in um, Carson's book where he talks, and I, this was a new thought to me, but as we watch this discourse take place, the disciples' focus in this time is on who? Themselves. Their sorrow, their grief, and yet here their master is telling them, I'm leaving. I'm going to be crucified. They know what's coming and yet they're worried about he's leaving us. What are we going to do next? What are, you know, so it's an interesting view that's a, they're focused inward on their own needs at that point in time. And he knew that. Christ knew that, right? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think we could all then just as bewildered as they were because they, they hadn't experienced the end yet. Absolutely. And this was, this was all, all new. This is... And then they've been with him for three years, right? Uh, roughly three years. And uh, he has taught them so much. You know, it's like being overfed sometimes. You know, there's just so much to digest. And so, and so much is going to take place in Acts, right? When the Holy Spirit does come and he begins to work. But that hasn't happened for them yet. And I think that's maybe why he said, I, I can't, I don't want to tell you 
all right now. Yeah. Perfect. As, as I, um, we've got about 10 minutes, it looks like. One of, one of the things I mentioned early on was I want us to not only hear this, but to experience it ourselves. I think that's important this week. And I, I hope you're up for that. Well, one of the things, as, as we read this and we look at it, um, is that I'm going to ask you to do certain things each day. Nothing major task. It's like you're not having a test tomorrow or anything, you know. But uh, but just a challenge. Uh, like, for example, tonight, um, simply God's Word and looking at the 15th chapter, the 1 through 17, the vine and branches extended metaphor, and just read it. Pray first, as we will in a minute, that the Holy Spirit will illuminate for you New thoughts, new ideas, as it, and, and then come back tomorrow and just say, these are some notes that I made. Now, uh, I don't want to put any of those thoughts into your head what that might be, because I think we're all at a different spot in our journey. We're all experiencing different things and different times, but I believe there's extremely, mm, the core of the summary of Jesus' mission on earth is captured in what you just saw. It's a summary, right? It, he's going back with them and he's telling them the reason he came. How many times in that did you hear, I'm telling you this now, so that. And it, go back and look at that passage and look at how many, he, he, great teacher, right? He's saying, I'm telling you this, so that. And then he gives a reason why he's sharing some of those things. But uh, just grab a pad of paper, um, pray ahead of time, you know, as we will in a minute. But just look at what, what is new, what is fresh. And this is the beauty of having a conference like this. You know, I, I can do this in a 25-minute uh, sermon, and I can ask those questions and not get the feedback. But here we can share with each other and learn from each other uh, as far as God's work for us today. It isn't amazing also that he begins to talk about persecution and the world will hate you? Holy cow. You know, look what's growing, going on around us, right? Uh, I mean... Not to be paranoid, you know, but, uh, you know, we get in a bad rap. Some of it we deserve as Christians, some of it we don't. But, you know, just because we follow Jesus Christ and uh, the stereotypical uh, view in our culture. So he, he's telling us this. Don't be surprised, you know. Don't get all defensive. It's okay. I'm with you. Uh, you know, and, and I'm going to give you the power. So and in fact they did and she said they could have left and in fact uh, they abandoned him you know they, they ran and uh, he was left alone and therein is uh, some of the experiences that we all can relate to uh, uh, thanks for your patience let me tell you I mean, it's kind of coming in with some of the technical things I hope it didn't distract you it did me I'll be honest you know uh, but uh but anyways, Kendall and I want to pray with you and, uh, together. I think we flipped coins and said, Kendall, you can do it, but I want to pray as well. Um, and uh, it helps to, to have a partner to lift you up like that. But tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to hear from you about John 15, 1 through 17, and then we're going to start diving into that. We may review, come back a little bit and review some of the things today we didn't get to. Um, but anyways, uh, how about if I begin and you wrap up? Sure. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know, about four years ago, you brought this passage to my mind, and it just has uh, kind of been stuck there. And the Lord, I thank you for that, because it keeps me coming back for more deeper truths and significance for my own journey, but also to share that experience with others. Father, would you, um, just in the power of your Holy Spirit within us, would you help guide our conversations? even through the rest of the day with each other about this morning. Would you help us as we turn to your written word and begin to listen to your Holy Spirit speak to us about this passage of the vine and the branches and you being the vine dresser 
And, and what does that look like in our lives? So, Father, we thank you for um, your guidance and your leading. And we give you all the praise. Lord, I also just want to thank you. I want to thank you uh, that you have made us part of a diverse body, Lord, that we are one part of a body that has many members. And I thank you that you've brought into this body members that have diverse skills and talents and insights. Uh, the people who put together this film and made this film, Lord, I thank you for that. Is uh, I confess, Lord, you know me. Uh, if I sit down and I try to read four chapters of a discourse like this, I'm going to be distracted 5,000 times. And I thank you for the people who put together a film that allows me to sit and watch and be engrossed by your word. Pure, simple, unedited words of Jesus, Lord, that I might be able to sit into that. And now this afternoon, as I turn to that passage, I can put it in its context. And so I would just pray by your spirit, as we open up chapter 15 this afternoon, that you would meet with each one of us and bring us back into the center of this film uh, to understand the context and understand what the disciples are going through and, and what they're feeling and what it is that Jesus is trying to teach and, and how we, as disciples in the 21st century, how we fit into the middle mm -hmm. of that whole big yes, story, Lord. Lord. And so I thank you for this time mm -hmm. to meet with you and to open your word in such a deep way that we don't often get in the Bible study, that we can go so deep into such a big passage. And I thank you for that. And I pray as the week unfolds, that you will just continue to reveal yourself to us through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you one and all for your attention. By the way, I left the, some of my business cards there. Two out of the three that I carry. Uh, so help yourself if you would like to get my contact information or look at one of our websites. <laughs>